Comic Book Club News gives you the comic book news you need to know first thing in the morning every weekday in the form of digestible three to five minute long podcasts. Comic Book Club News recaps breaking news stories from Marvel, DC Comics, and beyond Monday through Friday. New episodes drop 6 a.m. ET in the Comic Book Club News feed so they're ready for you when you're ready for the day. Comic Book Club News. You hear it second or third, possibly fourth. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. This is a podcast from Minute Media. After Dark, a podcast about the CW's Riverdale that's building up its mythology and becoming bigger than it ever was before. I'm Alex. Late at night, I gather the covers up to my neck, and I don't read one Stephen King novel. I read nine of them all at once, and that's how I read. I'm Justin. I'm Pete. And we are going to be talking about Riverdale Season 6, Episode 10, Chapter 105, Folk Heroes. Now, brief bit, of, heroes. <laughs> brief bit of recap before we get into the episode. So everybody in town is getting powers. Jughead can hear people's thoughts. Uh, uh-huh. Archie is super strong and invulnerable, but he can see evil auras. And uh, Percival Pickens, who is the new villain here, can beep, beep. coerce People's minds make them do things against their will, which we finally get to see in a big way this episode. Uh, And in order to combat him, uh, what? What? You were about to say something. Uh, I think there are some other superpowers that you have to include here. Yeah, don't forget Pyro. uh, No, we're not there yet. We're not there there yet. But um, Betty can wear sunglasses at night, which is Mm. very, that's very hard to do. Uh, Veronica can drink um, whiskey at all hours of the day, which I'll (laughs) tell you from personal experience is not easy. And Kevin and Kevin is invisible. But Percival has been slowly corrupting parts of the town. Meanwhile, Veronica and Reggie have been working on their casino, the Babylonium, together, except Reggie has split off to form his own tiny casino at Mantle Motors. Specifically, though, it doesn't come up this episode to help out Just his a mini dad. Casino. Who is it's still big. Dying. It's a mini casino. It's a baby casino. 
Yes. A casino for babies. And Cheryl (laughs) has trapped the spirit of her ancestor, Abigail, in a evil doll that she needs to watch over forever for the rest of her life. That's actually kind of it. (laughs) That's, I mean, there's a lot of other stuff going on, but let's be honest. Like, that's pretty much it going into this episode. Um, Now, (laughs) I think we kind of... That's the shortest recap you've done in, like, years. No, I And it's crazy that at this point... It's kind of surprising because I feel like going into this episode, there's actually not a lot necessarily you need to know other than the powers thing, because a lot, all of it, Percival, has become the Poochie of Riverdale. Everything is about Ooh. Percival. When Percival is yeah. off screen, everybody should be talking and thinking and uh, loving Percival as much as humanly possible. Um, I'm sorry, yes. Zelvin. It's Percival Pickens, aka PP. If you, you really can't do it, then don't. PP. Okay. Uh, I, I got to tell you, as much as I liked the last episode, I was not into this episode. Really? I think, uh, yeah. I mean, there was a lot. What? There were some things that I liked, and I love the fact that everybody is working together and mixing up, and we're getting different pairs. That's something we've been asking for for years. But there was something about the level of humor last episode where it was wildly over the top, and I know we kind of lost our minds on the last podcast, but Very I felt fun. like I was missing here, and I, I was curious to hear from you guys and see what you thought. I think that's fair because I agree with you. This episode was a little bit more – it took the wild stuff a little more seriously. Uh, but I, I liked it because I think this episode and this season in general is putting Percival at the center of the show. Like he's in the most scenes I feel like. He is the villain who's doing his villainy in plain sight, which I think is um, a very cool and different from a lot of shows and especially a lot of different seasons of Riverdale. What about you, Pete? You seem to be liking this quite a bit. Well, I mean, you know, the important thing is what we saw in this episode and the uh, the interaction between Betty and Archie where she awkwardly touched his knee is a real indication of the fact that that's just falling apart. And I'm all about it. So uh, I very much enjoyed this episode for that reason and that reason alone. I'm sick of PP. That being was all one over this moment town, of the episode. And you're like, I liked it because they, they touched weird. They but touched I- weird and it was awkward and it felt like to a brother and sister or something creepy. There is this show. That's <laughs> weird point, Pete. Uh, this show is gone from. It's like sexless at this point. It is mm-hmm. like there is very little. Well, and when I think you're that's, talking about racist statues, you know, you're gonna you're gonna take the sex out of the room. You know what I mean? Well, across the board, I think everyone's dealing with stuff. And I think importantly, this is like my larger theme for the season. I think. Percival only works if he can have you in isolation. He only works one on one and the everyone's split. Everyone's separate. And uh, this is jumping to the end, but he's going to go after Tabitha because she's the a uniter in the town right now. And the thing with sex is you can't really do it alone. <laughs> well, I got some news for you, Justin. <laughs> what? Wait, what? Bre- breaking what news. I'm actually about? just getting this in my earpiece <laughs> right now. Uh, all right, let's not get into that. I, I do think this. Thank you. This episode was pretty. I yeah. actually, I actually will ask you a little bit, a couple more questions off mic, Alex, about <laughs> okay, that. Please, right. I'm, I'm very yeah. curious. You know what? I'll very show curious. you. I'll show you. I have some demonstrations I can do. Oh, great. Um, this episode was really interesting for the couples. We've been talking about how it has been moving away from that, and everybody's been very steady. Last episode, we had a conversation about how. 
everybody is kind of businesslike in a certain way. And I don't know how much of that is because of COVID, because you have to spend minutes, if not longer, of your time while you're shooting. If people even kiss, you got to gargle and all of this stuff. So maybe they're just like, you know what, let's just move past it and have people just touch their knees because that's not going to be an issue. But we did get some breakups or beginning of breakups going on this episode, which I did think was very interesting Mm -hmm. because relationship-wise, it does point to some potential shakeups coming. Specifically, it certainly seemed like Veronica and Reggie broke up. Yeah, but Van Monica Monica is not strong. Tony on the rocks. (laughs) This episode as well. Yeah, I'd but argue. yeah, but also Veronica, you know, she got PP'd. You know, like she got the brain wop. I'm starting to think you love PP. You can't get well, enough yeah. PP. You'd like to just drink down PP as much as you possibly can. Oh, what a surprise! Well, PLP likes PP. No, that's not really a variety headline. This. It's making me so uncomfortable. <laughs> Pete, say something about the relationships and not your uh, Well, yeah, I just think it's one of those things where it's rough to see Veronica and Reggie have all these outside forces pulling them apart because uh, Veronica lets uh, whatever you want to call him into uh, their life. Percival Pickens, use the character. I'm not going to say that. He's a ridiculous... Uh, we don't know where he came from or what he's made of, so I'm not going to even uh, mention it made because of. I don't want to get mind wiped. Uh, but I just think it's one of those things where uh, she listened to him. Do you think this is a Bloody he, Mary situation where you say his name too many times, he's going to come through the zoom and eat you? It could, hey, you, it play, could. you play with fire if you want. I'm not going to. But my point is, um, you know, you had somebody telling you something and then, you know, you didn't give Reggie a chance to explain what's going on. And it's hard to see Reggie kind of following his father's footsteps and playing cards with the insane over the top Italian, uh, you know, like, I don't even know, clowns or whatever they are. That They're are... called pasta for jewels. Oh, OK, my bad, my bad. <laughs> I actually think this is a really good Veronica episode while we're just broadly talking overview because we got to see Percival, first of all, didn't even try the mind trick on her at any point. And my supposition at this point is that he prefers not to use that, that he prefers to kind of like coerce people and that's sort of a last resort to go ahead and do the uh, mind thing. But Veronica pushes past it, is smart. Uh, and ultimately comes to an understanding with Tabitha and Tony, which I thought was really cool. Yeah, it goes back to great. something we talked about several episodes ago about these three businesswomen in the town. So I was really happy to see them come around to that conclusion by themselves, presumably without listening to our podcast. No, they listen. Wow. You can hear you whenever so. they're don't taking ahead. Don't plug <laughs> your own shit in the fucking review of this. It's your, it's yours. You're on this too, Pete. I don't know if you know. You're a, a host of this podcast. You're not just our. I'm a co-host. Uh, heckler. Yeah, okay. don't okay. don't plug our podcast on our podcast. Yeah, <laughs> if they're already listening, you don't need to plug it. You know, what you mean? guys should really check out Riverdale After Dark. It's <laughs> yeah. So weird. Check it out. Hot young so podcast. Weird uh, that you're like a lot of times. Veronica will be taking out a headphone, being like. Good one, Pete. And then she'll go on with his scene. Uh, 
But um, I agree with you. And I think one of the reason why, reasons why we're not having the couples here, in fact, like you said, it was only couples moving in negative directions in this episode, right, right. is because that's how they're going to overcome uh, Percival uh, by the end of the season is by all coming together. Um, Barchi rising is the true phoenix that will put oh, away stop. Percival Don't once and for all. Don't fucking bring that weird shit in. You started on one end and then you tried to, you were like, oh yeah, it's not about the couples. Yeah, could you and imagine you if somebody it. like for no particular reason in total nonsense logic fashion brought it around to their favorite couple to talk about Pete could you imagine it's, if that happened on our it's podcast ridiculous. Riverdale After Dark check it out online <laughs> on all major platforms that, oh my God. that would be crazy I, w- I was I was on your side, Alex, but then you ruined it with the plug at the end. Well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to throw something out to you guys while we're continuing to talk about the couple stuff. There were a lot of people pointing this out that we saw Veronica in the same yellow coat back from, I believe, season three when he had just broken up with Josie or they were kind of together, but sort of on the outs. Uh, and then Varchi was rising again. Once again, he was fighting. Once again, Veronica was cheering for him. Oh, now yeah. That one shot single. where they were, mm-hmm. you know, it was a two shot of Betty and Veronica both having the time of their lives watching. Do you think that Veronica wearing a yellow coat means that Varchi is going to rise once again like the phoenix that is Cheryl? Uh, I think it was in the wardrobe department and she put it on again. Also, I mean, she was in full Monica Posh um, outfit uh, here in this episode. So I love Monica Posh so much. That is, I've said this repeatedly. I get references. Disguise of all time. Like who? (laughs) Honestly, who is she fooling going into that? She's sitting next to Percival Pickens. Like, yeah, who lives? In oh, you talking about the mysterious blonde woman uh, sitting there that we oh, didn't she know who Pete. was? She that new Pete. character, <laughs> yeah, yeah, the brand I mean, new character, which I'm looking forward to getting to spend some time with. Uh, Monica oh. is the the Monica in Man Monica, the um, the chosen ship name for Reggie Mantle and uh, Veronica Monica, which Posh. also goes back to season three with the jailbreak, right? Hundred um, percent, and that's why I say Man Monica is not strong. But I think Man Monica will return this season. I think that's the couple, not not that Varchi stuff. Wow. Yeah, there doesn't. Don't uh, wag your finger at us, by the way. I'm not going to stand for that. I uh, do think a, a lot of folks have pointed out that they've been calling Barchley sexless. They've been calling them like co-workers, like Pete has been saying. But I think that's just a function of where they are in the show. I don't necessarily yeah. take anything from it. I do think there is movement in various couples, like we've been talking about, towards a negative direction. But the ones that are just kind of cruising on like Bargy, like Jabatha, I think they're there. Like the lack of information doesn't point to anything negative. You know what I mean? Right. We're just I hear what you're saying, them. but I just exactly. want to say. They're taking you, a shower every day. Bargy that showers. said, Betty is sleeping alone. <clears throat> okay. So right, not to right. contradict what I'm saying, but she, she's in the bed by herself. Archie's somewhere else. I don't know, man. Well, you don't see, you don't I'm going to contradict what I said bed. 30 seconds. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Whose side are you on? I don't know. Um, I'm all over well, the place I do, do want to, while we're kind of talking about the couples here, let's talk about that knee touch. Because, like, if somebody touched my knee like that, I might be like, oh, I guess we're breaking up now. Because that was the most awkward thing I've ever seen. 
Pete, uh, put away the telestrator. We don't need to circle the hand on the knee. We don't need the full JFK <laughs> back saying, into the it right was treatment. Like some kind of claw. You remember that claw game where it would try to pick up things, but it wasn't really well, good that's at where it. when you use the claw game, you pick up prizes. So she was reaching down for a prize, which was Archie's knee. Yeah, but then she oh, hit God, the I knee tried and was f- like, I spent oh, hours. Oh, I dropped it. It got. It was like, ooh, I don't like knees. I spent so many hours at the arcade trying to grab Archie's knee with that uh, claw <laughs> thing. Hey, back when I was in high school, I did this internship that took me to Harvard Medical School, and we got to play around with a whole bin full of severed knees. That was a pretty exciting day for me. This is not a joke. (laughs) This is the creepiest thing anyone's ever said. What are you talking about? It's not a joke. You're right, Alex. It's not a joke. It is a weird Who leaves knees around? What are you talking about? It wasn't loose knees. It was for them to dissect so they could figure out the muscles, and as a... uh, as a student, I got to play around with one too. And I did hey, like, where you want to the knees from, Alex? Knees. What are you talking very... about? Nobody has knees lying around at a college. Go to Harvard Medical School, man. Hey, kid, uh, want to go over what? the loose knee bin and grab me a, a righty? <laughs> Take off whatever need... you want. <laughs> a righty? We're not using these. There's different. Yeah, well, a you right can tell knee. the difference. <laughs> you can't right tell a right knee? knee from a left knee? Of course. You, Look at I don't know. Uh, definitely. Give me that. I should go. I'm going to oh sign up God. for Harvard Medical School because I'll be the knee finder. <laughs> You'll be the knee guy. No, yeah. so you got a left knee. Give me that. Yeah, you want to uh, ne- sign up for Harvard Medical here. School? Yeah, that'll be a $50 deposit. Hey, kid, how many knees you need? <laughs> what classes how you many taking? Knees you're going to you need some knees if you're yeah, going to go. got a bunch of wise guys knees. here at Harvard Medical School. Bastard school. How many knees you need? Do you Why don't we actually get knee? into the episode and talk about it? Just to start off with a storyline that takes place pretty much on its own before we get to everything else, which kind of crisscrosses. Why don't we talk about Cheryl's storyline? So Cheryl is burning up this episode. At first, she thinks that she's dealing with spontaneous human uh, combustion. But by the end of the episode, she finds out she is a pyrokinetic and she can control fire. So lots of stuff going on there as she teams up with Betty to try and harness her powers. What do you guys think about this one? I mean, this was just a great uh, Cheryl episode, you know, where you got to see her go from like, you know, uh, uh, kind of freaking out to like uh, calmly using her powers to light candles and being happy with herself. It was just like a fun, uh, just kind of a, a Cheryl episode. And uh, it's nice to see her cool with her powers at the end. I'm excited to see what's next for her. Well, let's ju- jump back to the beginning. Let's jump back to the beginning of the Cheryl story where she um, is like, hey, uh, Nana Rose, um, I'm burning up. And she's like, I can't take care of you. I got to watch this friggin' doll over here. Let me hire the biggest goober I can find on the street. A night nurse, sir. A night nurse. No, that was Darius. Wasn't that the hot nanny nanny who was taking care of Tony's baby? Or she had hired to take care of Tony's baby, I think. And he was hot. Too Mm -hmm. hot to exist in this earth any longer. Because he got blazed up. So we're uh, after what kind of happens, put it together. Cheryl must have woken up in the middle of the night. The nice nurse was there, and nice she nurse. just the uh, and then she set him on fire. Is what yeah, we're she killed him, which we yeah. don't really deal with much. Yeah, this episode. <laughs> that's what I was going to say. Like once we kind of figure out what's happening, I was like, hey, uh, you know, this guy died. Mm-hmm. Um, we seem to be no, that's fine. Yeah, he, this, it was this FBI it was an accident. 
Oh, sure. It was yeah. an accident. The FBI doesn't investigate a lot of murders <laughs> with the goal of finding a murderer. It seems oh, like they're bad. mostly just like, let's sort out what this is. And I mean, all of these conversations were, I thought, great. Um, the spontaneous human combustion thing, oh, Doc Curdle Jr. Uh, oh, popping yeah. in. I mean, come on. Uh, you know, seeing him again in the morgue, you know, letting Betty know what's what was very enjoyable. Wrong. Doc Curdle Jr. wrong with his diagnosis, though. He was wrong, but that's okay. I think he made a reasonable one. Instead, we get the information from a new character who is named Agent Drake, uh, and she is played by an actress named Sophia Tatum, who was actually in The Bride's Pilot that Roberto Aguirre-Sacasa did. Chris Mason, who played Veronica's husband on last season, was also in that pilot, so... I just think that's a very nice thing to take those actors. The pilot obviously didn't work, but still give them another job Great. and have them come in. Hundred um, percent. And I like she seems to work for an organization in the FBI that deals with like files, the mm-hmm. files that maybe like are from a different part mm-hmm. that they mark with a specific like uh, oh, cross like lines like like or something like, like that. Like a no, like a multiplication sign. You know what I mean? Like, um, it's I've never used math, that. so I'm not yeah, familiar. Yeah, I'm yeah. sorry. Yeah. The, the divide. Um, oh, like, like on a map like, where a treasure is. That's like a, oh, that's like how a they mark chest, these like a chest, like a treasure yeah, chest. Yeah, the treasure yeah, like chest. Yeah, like they draw. Oh, one of those sea serpents in the water. You yeah, know, yeah. You're talking, talking about, about right. emojis. Yes, yes. Mm-hmm. I'm talking about so an like emoji. sea serpent file. Emoji files. The emoji files. Right. Oh, yo, pitch that to television. See you later. See you later. That's a million dollar idea right there. The modern gen. Z I thought you mysteries? were going to say, though, that she is part of the FBI that is super cool and wears leather jackets and is just the badass division of the FBI. I was she like, is oh. very cool. She's yeah. very cool. There's no Just can I say that. really quickly, Scully, I think it's aliens. LOL, Mulder. That was off the top of my head. Oh, wow. It's good stuff. The X-Files. I'm curious if we're going to see Agent Drake again. Yes, Agent, we will. I think... Apparently not for another couple of episodes, but she is going to be back because she seemed to be like very heavily featured here. Right. Uh, well, not for a length of time, but how many people get a full sit down with Betty these days? Yeah, exactly. You know? It's great. So I and I like that as forward casting sort of how this mystery of all their powers is going to play out, because everyone on the show seems to be they have they've moved comfortably past. We have powers. Like when Betty tells Cheryl the storyline we're talking about, she's like, congratulations, you're a pyrokinetic. It's like, what? That's not how you – shouldn't you be concerned a little bit about how she's throwing uh, fire around? Also, Betty telling Cheryl to cool it the whole time was so enjoyable. Like she was literally burning up. Betty's like, cool it. Just let the ice work. Calm down. It was hysterical. I love Betty's that. energy this season of I'm getting too old for this shit. This is yeah. dumb. Why you guys have all these problems? So she's like, she's at the end of Cheryl's arc where she puts the photo of Penelope on the fire, and yep. she's like, "Burn it!" She's like, burn "Set her ass on fire!" Put burn her, mom. Um, and then no shouts to Darius at the end after it's like, "Congrats, you're a pyrokinetic." No shouts yeah. to now, our wait, man we who went to, down. We need to talk about somebody else who went out this episode, who's Britta, who seemingly leaves oh, at the yeah. beginning of this storyline, which. Smart. Get the way, way why she can. I, I mean, she's would, like, I'm listen, this I really like is too I much. Think she, I think she's out. been a great addition to the show. No, I she's agree. been awesome, but I'm glad that she's getting like a regular home somewhere and is going to get a chance. Well, um, I like I like her explanation home. there. 
yeah. She, well, Cheryl's she, house is not a regular home. I'm sorry. Okay, sure. You just said that the way you phrased that was like she was a puppy that needed to be adopted, which no. well, fair. No, um, she. I mean, it, so, I wanted to get away she, from evil things possessing dolls and things lighting on fire. You know, give, give her childhood a chance. You know. Well, the the reason she left her home is because her parents wouldn't accept her for who she was. And um, I like in this episode, she's like, my parents want me to come home. They're ready to accept me. And they probably heard about all the nonsense shit I've been up to (laughs) since I left over here in your house, Cher. Yeah. Uh, but overall, this storyline was a lot of fun. Uh, this was maybe my favorite part of the episode for everything that you guys are pointing out, particularly just Lily Reinhardt's performance. Whether she's playing the fact that, like, Betty constantly has migraines at this point, which I assume it kind of is, or they handed her the script pages or, like, say this stuff, and she's like, okay, here we go. She seems to be hitting it with the proper level of camp, which I'm really enjoying, which, like you said earlier, Justin, a lot of this is very serious, and I feel like they are taking it seriously. That's okay. I get it. But I'm just having more fun watching whatever Lily Lily Reinhardt is doing on the show right now. But I do think I'm I'm curious if we're going to get Betty to sort of open back up to who we've known throughout all of these seasons so far, because she definitely has this sort of... Uh, much more like harder exterior, and um, I miss sort of the Betty where, that we get to sort of see inside her head. I'm I just a little, you know, the show has done a lot of different things, and you know, sometimes when they're like, "Hey, what haven't we done?" and then someone would probably was like, "Hey, we haven't done uh, racist statues." Great. Let's let's know that they have done racist statues. That was the whole thing there. That goes back to the second season, pretty soon after Tony's introduction, which they talk about this episode where they had the General Pickens statue. It got beheaded, I believe. Oh, yeah. Uh, And they have the whole uh, Akneda tribe. I'm probably pronouncing that way wrong. You're not thinking of the Simpsons, though, right? You're thinking of uh, Riverdale? No. Okay. No, I'm thinking of the same thing. No. Or maybe they painted him. I don't know. Maybe I am thinking. Yeah, I, I think it is a <laughs> Simpsons crossover. Oh, sorry. It was the episode with the monorail. That's what I'm thinking of. When they, oh, they right, have the right, guy right, come yeah. down and build oh, the monorail. Oh, man. I, I, don't I think know, that was this. That's this episode. That's this Perkins episode. Yeah, absolutely. Is the, is the music man. Yes. So the – but we do have this Tony Tabitha storyline, which I also thought was uh, pretty good just because I like seeing them team up. I think they're a fun yes. team together. And to give the broad overview there – Tony and Tabitha get targeted by Percival, who essentially seems to be maybe trying to shut down Pops and the White Worm. It's not entirely clear, but certainly they find out that Babylonium is essentially selling the same thing they are. So they decide to amp it up with a sexy show to private dancer. And then Tony does a pole dance routine that Fangs gets upset about. But by the end of the episode, as we mentioned, the three businesswomen of Riverdale realize they can all work together. And so they're going to have outposts in Babylonium that also have some casino uh, equipment in the White Worm, hearkening back to what Veronica did a couple of seasons ago in La Banui as well. And they're all going to profit share that way, which seems like a nice, happy solution for everybody. Yeah, I did yes. like the team up. Uh, the The two of them kind of going to the casino was fun. And they were like, hey, do you want sliders? Do you want these little milkshake shots? And, you know, Tabitha being like, oh, hell no. 
uh, was really fun. And also, like, yeah. the when Fangs entered and we got the kind of, like, needle scratch moment was kind of hilarious. I mean, as a uh, when I'm a 65-year-old hardcore gambler, there's nothing I want more when I'm on a great run at the blackjack table than a heavy milkshake shot <laughs> just to keep me going. I mean, that room it's must just be smart. just... Just filled with farts. It's a fart casino. If they're all they're eating is hamburgers and vodka milkshakes. I mean, I don't know. I kind of want a boozy milkshake. I disagree with Tabitha on that. That's always a good time. Whenever you go to the Alamo Draft House, you're watching a movie. Get one of those. It's pretty good. Yeah, I know. I'm sitting next to you at the movie theaters. Mm-hmm. All, all you're doing is farting. N- 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 <laughs> that's not what I was saying. Oh, I, oh no! I, that's no, the point. I didn't no, making. that was not the point that I was taking you're, away there. You uh, took what me, did you, you think took the about? What did you think about the Fangs thing in this episode? Because. I understood it logically, but my emotional gut reaction was to be super annoyed at Fangs because, like, Tony's not doing the raciest striptease routine or anything like that. Uh, he comes in. He's just come back from jail from selling weapons that he hiding weapons that he didn't tell her about. So I, I feel like he can, doesn't weapons. really have this moral high horse to be on at this time. Uh, again, even if I understood what he was saying, but uh, what'd you guys feel about this one? I agree with you. It felt a little um, not in line with with who Fangs is, the, who as established. I, I feel like it was definitely something useful in the plot, especially yeah. sort of bouncing that off. A- pop, pop, seeing a guy pissing and being like, um, Tabitha, I don't want booze here at my uh, humble chocolate shop. Yeah, it was just to kind of give a little uh, a little bit of perspective so they could all come together, uh, you know, at the end. But, um, yeah, it felt a little weird uh, for sure. But I want to, you know, I want to talk about the big cameo uh, that we finally got here after the much promised. Just uh, wait, we're, that's a whole other storyline over there. Just wait one excited. second. Don't try to sneak it in. We'll get to you. Your guy. I mean, jumping over to the pop thing, too. I think Pete's right. That actually did feel like just trying to get everybody on the same page in terms of stuff, because there's nothing that ridiculous about serving alcohol at a diner. That is a thing that diners. No. I've been to New do. Jersey. Have you, if you did check it out. Yeah. And I understand it was getting rowdy in there. I understand a guy was pissing on the outside or whatever. So that's probably a little too much, but at the same time, it was like, there was, uh, I, I'm not quite settled with what is going on with this battle for the soul of Riverdale because we've been told for five seasons or shown for five seasons that Riverdale is an awful place. And not to get back to what yeah. Percival Pickens originally said in his <laughs> op-ed with this being the worst town in America, but for five seasons, it has been the worst town in America. So for them to turn around and suddenly be like, that's not what Riverdale is, it kind of is that like, how, how dare you no, you can't stop i mean just the the way the town audibly gasps at the beginning of this episode when they change this the billboard sign you oh. hear them like he unveils it and they're like what about the town with Beth? what about yes. pop's chocolate i think dimension? we all let out that same noise so can i throw yeah. something out to you guys and maybe this is just because i'm really resisting this whole superhero storyline hardcore still but but this episode is ripped from the pages of comics yes it's ripped from the pages of comics they're 
I've been resisting the idea that this is an AU or something like that. Uh, it feels like mm-hmm. this probably uh, this probably is at the end of the day going to be mainstream Riverdale. They're going to reverse it at the end of the season. Nobody's going to have superpowers and we'll move on to whatever the next genre is. But this episode in particular felt to me like, what if this is actually the thing that we've all speculated forever with this show? This season is Jughead writing this story. Like what, what do you feel like that's even remotely a possibility? I do, especially if we've sort of talked about this a little bit, the sort of Stephen Kingness of this um, season with Firestarter. We see Cheryl reading it and she has become a Firestarter, the needful things of it all. Um, and uh, I feel like you will eventually find reference to a lot of other Stephen King stories. And we know that Jughead is not the most um, original writer. He's someone oh, who has to on, read or experience something, and then and only then can he put words down for it. Um, so, I, I, like, if he was at task with writing a story about a steak but ate a hamburger, that would be a hamburger piece <laughs> right away. I uh, again, I think there's like a five to ten percent possibility at best this is going to happen, but there's something about this that feels to me like, like you're saying. The Stephen King references uh, at one point, Percival Pickens says that he's going to open up a curiosity shop or works at a curiosity shop now, which is straight out of needful things. So it definitely feels like we're getting that. We're also getting a little bit of the stand in terms of the town breaking into these factions that are following Randall Flagg versus uh, what is it? Stu Redman, who's the main character on the other side. Um, Uh, You don't know. Uh, I haven't read that book. Kind of behind... Uh, Archie and Jughead is like, oh my God, I'm blanking on the name of the character, but there's a writer character in the stand as well. So I do think we're getting all these references here and that might be it. But even beyond Jughead's narration, there is something that feels like this is a little too much for it to not be a story, but uh, I guess we'll see. Well, but let me say, I agree with you, Alex. I think that's a g- good theory, but um, why don't you just enjoy the ride? Don't I know every morning you go down and shout at the ocean to stop being waves, but I think you should just bring your surfboard and and coast. Hang ten, brother. I'm a little closer to old man yells at cloud. Another Simpsons reference. Oh, yeah, exactly. Oh boy, killing it. That's an Alex reference. Mm-hmm. Why don't we move to the main storyline then in terms of Archie trying to become a folk hero with the encouraging of Jughead to win back the town. And then over the course of it, he ultimately ends up bringing back a exciting guest star that we got to talk about right now, which, of course, is they mention Jughead's agent in passing. Yes. They don't use his uh, name, but they bring him up. Uh, uh, Mr. Hot Dog. His mind. name was Mr. Hot Dog, Alex. <laughs> Hot Dog. And that was great, and that's all I wanted to say about that. Hey, you want to talk about K.O. Kelly? K.O. Kelly, Kelly, come on, man. Uh, I also really loved his uh, scene with Archie where he's looking at him and goes, no, man. I don't want to do some stupid montage where we clean up the gym. I'm going to the casino. <laughs> yeah. It was cool to see KO back. We get a reference to Katie, uh, Katie yeah. Keen here. Um, mm-hmm. I also thought it was funny when uh, Percival goes to KO to influence him because I feel like KO could have said, Hey, listen, buddy, you don't need to use your magic voice on me. You tell me <laughs> yeah, to walk into traffic. Hey, to I'm going to walk into it. traffic. I'm a nice guy. You know, I do it. You just need to talk to your boy KO and I'll do whatever you want. It was amazing to see KO back. Uh, You know, I mean, um, 
I'm glad. I was really worried that he was going to have to fight Archie because I didn't want to see that. I didn't want to see uh, a fight where I didn't want, uh, you know, I didn't know who to win or, or how anybody could win in, in a fight like that. For, for a minute there, I thought we were going to get Archie murders KO in the box. Yeah, I was like, come on, don't <laughs> like, do that please to don't me, do man. That. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but the having him walk into traffic was a little rough, man. I was a. Uh, uh, heartbroken to hear that. I mean, uh, you know, Katie, I just wanted to call you. I'm in traffic right now. Uh, <laughs> how's your fashion dress designer stuff going? I'm in traffic. Help. Well, that was a amazing impression of Katie. Great Thank job, you. Justin. Really. Uh, I mean, let's not overhype it. It wasn't that great. But why don't we move but, to the main fight? In the episode, the one that actually happens, ultimately Archie does. Oh, Archie versus the bed of needles that he laid on. <laughs> no, 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 Archie, Archie versus, versus the, the freezer. freezer. Yeah, freezer <laughs> yeah. burn Archie. That whole thing, I'm sorry, was ridiculous. <laughs> I mean, it was ridiculous, but I, I thought it was great taking that hammer to the biceps. Oh man, no superpowers necessary for those again. biceps. And to Guinness take World that Records hammer. was like, "Yep." That's enough for Checks us. Checks out. We're good. <laughs> love, we don't need to I do love. any tests. We don't need to. <laughs> no, I just, we sent one guy with a mustache that looks uh, insane there, and you we got it. Well, that's why I thought it was especially funny, or after Archie loses the fight, he's like, well, now Guinness has taken away the toughest man prize. <laughs> that, so he fights Percival, Percival, yeah. By coercing Betty, finds out about the Palladium, puts the Palladium in his gloves, and beats up Archie. I saw some discussion about this online. Do you think that Percival using the Palladium, granted he's evil, he's using a secret, but it actually made it a fair fight, right? Because then Archie was a normal human being without superpowers, so Percival kind of beat him fair and square. Wait, wait, shut the fuck up. First of all, you got, if you got metal things in your glove, you know, Frank is on the tank, uh, a take there, because he is just like... Frank the tank? Yeah, Frank the tank. Frank's on the tank. It just feels so good when it hits the lips, you know? Anyways, Mm. I just think it's one of those things where... He should have checked the gloves. If you're going to have any kind of boxing, you got to check somebody's gloves. The old also, Frank's, very Frank's in the tank. Frank's in the tank for Percival. I'm going to give you another thing for Percival. Fighting with a rock in your gloves, that's hurts. That's, that's very painful. So if the fact that he beat Archie, not who's a great boxer, and we've established that over several seasons, but also with a big old rock in his gloves, that's really impressive. Team well, he probably Percival had a little all the way. What the wow. fuck are you talking Mist- about, man? Alex is Mr. PP. I feel like he probably had a Palladium pillow in between mm-hmm. his hand and the Palladium to really <laughs> okay. protect. Yeah, like yeah. a little tiny throw pillow. Mm-hmm. I did like that twist, though. I thought that was pretty good the because it was twist? no the Palladium twist because. I thought seeing Archie bleed was surprising. You immediately wonder how did that happen? And that the way that they rolled out the information, even though it was upsetting that Percival did all of this stuff, ultimately I thought was well done in terms of the script. The way that the uh, way that everybody uh, found out, or at least how the viewers found also out. Also, it was like Yeah, there was a lot going on emotionally during that fight because it was like this thing of like you're worried Archie's not gonna be able to just focus on his dad and it's kind of these sweet images of his father while he's 
being beaten up and then starting to bleed. It's uh, it was really kind of like because I was like, oh, he must be somehow overpowered his mind. But then you kind of get the twist of the metal. So it was like uh, they did a good job of like kind of setting things up and then kind of doing the old sneak attack there. So uh, uh, kudos to the show and uh, uh, how they handled that. I thought it was really cool. I agree. It was great. And to your original point, Alex, I think the reason that Percival was able to beat Archie is because he was so surprised that he could feel those hits. Yeah. Um, I, cause I do think Archie threw still his, yeah. threw him off his game and, uh, and that's why he goes down, I think. Um, and I also like it, the way it all came together and combining the fight with also the Cheryl Firestarter stuff. I thought this was paced super well. It ramped up in such a great way. Um, but um, the way per- Percival's powers works work, I'm kind of confused by. It seems like he is in full control of Frank, like yeah. and Tom Keller. Like, is that how it works? He is just and has Alice. influenced them and Alice, of course. They are fully on board with him, or has is they he seem whispering like zombies, like mindless zombies that you can't really tell that you know. Yeah, Frank's watching Archie, his nephew, go down hard, hard. over the course D- of this whole. Jughead's the only one's like, hey, we should stop the fight. Nobody yeah. else cares. Well, I mean, if it's a Stephen King type thing, like if we're talking a Randall Flagg from the stand, it's the sort of thing where these people are already over on his side, so they've already been coerced enough that he doesn't need to do it anymore. And then there's right. other people that he needs to give a little mental push. So the way that I think they're playing out is – he is corrupting people in the town. And then there are specific instances when he needs to give them an extra push, like what he does with Alice when he eventually gets in the house where she would naturally do some things because she's already on his side. But she probably, if he came in and was like, let me into Betty's room while she's asleep, Alice would not do that without an extra push because that's also not who Alice is. Right. Jughead is the worst manager of any boxer I've ever seen. Like, where's the white towel, Jughead? Throw it in so we can stop this fight. I mean, your boy's bleeding out. And also, after the fight, you're going to put him in the room with the statue of himself. I mean, come on, man. There's just salt on a huge wound there. I mean, come I think on. This... Jughead wanted him to fight the statue. That was what was going. Oh, on. that's what he was trying yeah. to do. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, he read a book about. Uh, emotional tethers and it was like you got to fight a statue if you want that would have been hilarious if you started to do like a voiceover he was like standing behind the uh, statue and was like archie this is me you should fight (laughs) (laughs) what did you think about fred as the emotional tether i thought that was kind of sweet great yeah great yeah Uh, they do a great job of like bringing that back in a way that doesn't feel like overused but it's always nice to revisit uh yeah it was it's it was nice to see, and it was a real interesting kind of juxtaposition for the fight, and then the everything Cheryl's going through. He's the show's emotional tether, and ours, yeah. so I like seeing him there. Yeah. Any other notes from the episode that you guys want to call out? Uh, I'll give a shout-out to Abigail the doll having a Band-Aid on her face, which I thought was a very fun touch. There's nothing creepier than a facial Band-Aid. You're ever out, and you just walk into somebody, and they have like, whoa, facial Band-Aid? Sums up. Um, the only note I had is I think this is important though. I think we've discovered Percival's weakness, mm. which I think could be huge. It's exactly. letting him sing because he claims to be a crooner and brother. <laughs> he ain't. <laughs> oh, wow. Really? Uh, yeah, I got to agree with you. I mean, saying as somebody who can't hold a note to save his life, 
Yes, he 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 put himself up there with Kevin, and he's like, everybody loves my singing. I don't think so. Not so much. He's no kid. Get out of here. Get out of here, PP. Save it for the shower. Yeah. I do like the moments in this episode when he gets stopped briefly by people because the way that he plays his frustration is really good. What were you going to say, Pete? Well, when Veronica was like, firebomb pops, you know, like he he tries, uh, you know, like uh, he kind of steps over the line a little bit. And there are kind of certain things that kind of like you know, pull people out of it a little bit. And like the fact that like you overplayed your hand, like, you know, uh, you know, just, it was, it was nice to see the characters we know and love kind of fight back a little bit. Yeah. I mean, he's clearly going after Tabitha as his next target because Good she's luck. such a uniter. Yeah. Uh, but I also think Veronica is someone that he's trying to just influence by preying on her like greed that we've seen, um, but he doesn't seem able to influence her at all. And she has no understanding of emotional tether. She's just a badass. So I'm curious how that's all going to come together in the next couple episodes, but I want to throw out one other thing. What's the deal with Reggie's story? Because he seems to be slipping off the grid in a negative way. He goes in deeper with um, the Pasta Fajul gang. Yeah. Um, he has a tiny casino. He gets banished from Veronica's bed, but seems to be like fine about it. Is he just a side victim of Percival's influence through Veronica, or is he maybe going to become a force that can actually combat Percival because he's operating off the grid? Well, I mean, that's a that's a good question, but I, I do think that it was one of those things where, like, it was really hard to see him join that like insane clown of a of a posse that uh, of playing the it's card called, game. It's called a. It's not a posse. It's called a pasta. Okay, my bad. Um, I, and I just think that, like, uh, he's in trouble. And I'm hoping that the fact of, like, you know, somebody's going to circle back around with him and be able to pull him out of this because, um, you know, uh, yeah, it's hard to see Reggie go through this and not fight, uh, you know, for himself or his first relationship. You know, I think he feels pretty portrayed right now, but also is dealing with a lot with his father. So he's in a, in a tough spot. He just needs to, I don't know if this is going to happen, but he just needs to be honest with Veronica. He needs to tell her about what's going on with his dad, and then I think she would understand or and be on his side. he needs a Betty pep talk, like Betty was given to Cheryl, about, like, this is his whole life and everything has led up to this. And, you know, you just got to burn your mom. <laughs> wow. Wow, you got uh, a dark place right at the end there. Well, it's, well, Reggie's in a dark place. He's running a three-slot machine, three-person casino out of this garage. <laughs> so he's really got a coercer's guys to really be operating the one-armed bandits there. Yeah. Um, so there you go. That's the episode before we wrap up here. Who was the MVP? Justin, you want to go first this time? Who's the MVP? Uh, sure. Um a lot of fun stuff here. I, I like this episode a lot. I'm going to give it up to Cheryl in this episode, who uh, I feel like went through so many, like, all over the place from, like, her talking to Darius being like, um, you just have to watch this literally hot body all night and then blazing him up. Her just casually reading a book in the horrifying doll room. Hard to focus on a a little fantasy novel or whatever she was reading. Um, and the fact it that she's so powered up. She was reading Firestarter. At the end. But yeah. in the beginning, I feel oh, like yeah. she was reading just a random book. Um, but How'd I love it. for dolls? 
Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, I feel like she's so powered up at the end of the episode. Very excited to see what happens next with her. Yeah. Yeah, very exciting. And, uh, of course, it's going to be uh, Betty all day or er, day uh, just to see her handling Cheryl in such a great way. And it was a motivating pep talk. I mean, I don't know about you guys, but, uh, you know, uh, it was just, it was fun to see her kind of like really know how to get to Cheryl or, and uh, channel her powers, uh, you know, tour. Congratulations, P. You're a pyrokinetic. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to throw it out to Veronica this episode. I know I said this earlier, but I just really liked how without superpowers, without any sort of coercion or anything like that, she pushed back and granted that was off screen. We found out that Tabitha was the one who came through with this business idea that Veronica put everything on pause and kind of sought that out and made that work. I thought was really impressive and a good storyline for her when she's to your point from earlier, Justin, but kind of standing up in her room and drinking her whiskey and being very moody for the past couple of episodes. So good stuff from her this episode. If you would like to support our podcast, patreon.com slash comic book club. Also, we do a live show every Tuesday night at 7 p.m. to Crowdcast and YouTube. We would love to talk to you about Riverdale. iTunes, Android, Spotify, Stitcher, or the app of your choice to subscribe, listen, and follow the show at Riverdale Dark on Twitter, Riverdale After on Instagram, Riverdale After Dark on Facebook, comicbookclublive.com for this podcast and many more. Until next time, we'll see you after dark. Betty sunglasses for everybody. Let's go. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success.